0: Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Titan Up The Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I may have just mentioned, my name's Hub, and I hope you're having a fine whenever the heck it is you end up listening to this. I've been wondering lately why it is that the character Hellboy never really clicked for me. I actually like what I've read, it just was never really totally my thing. I always liked Mike Mignola's art, even if I don't really know how to say his last name. Mignola? Magnolia? Anyway, I think what might bother me about the character is the willful infantilization of his codename. I mean, he's a full-grown man who's chomping on cigars and shit. Why does he have boy as part of his name? And then I realized... It's because if he changed his name to Hellman, people would constantly be thinking he was talking about the mayonnaise. And that led me to the realization that Hellman is a very funny name for a mayonnaise. I wonder if the original mascot for the product was some kind of a devil creature who, uh, had some hellishly good egg-based condiments. I know deviled eggs smell a little bit like sulfur, so perhaps there's like that brimstone connection with the character reminds you of eggs. Subconsciously, it reinforces that this particular condiment is made with all natural ingredients. Yeah, that's probably what it was. There used to be a character called Hellman who sold mayonnaise. Of course, west of the Rockies, the product is called Best Foods which, when I first moved out here, was a bit of a culture shock. I guess the marketing division of Hellman's Mayonnaise thought that the notoriously puritanical West Coast wasn't ready for a mascot like Hellman. Which actually kind of does explain why the character Hellboy chose the name that he did. See, I did a little bit of research. Turned out he was raised in New Mexico, So he probably thought, okay, I'll start off as Hellboy, then when I get older, I'll change my name to Hellman, but then the organization he worked for moved its headquarters to Connecticut, he gets there, finds out about this mayonnaise mascot, and is like, well shit, I guess I'm just Hellboy forever now. Which I guess explains why he's always been such a tragic character. You know what, Mike Steel Magnolias? I've been all turned around on this guy. Turns out, Hellboy is aces with me. Now that we've got that sorted, let's talk about a comic book. One that oddly does feature a character with red skin and, uh, horns growing out of the side of his head. Hmm, I wonder if he's ever considered selling mayonnaise. Anyway, without any further ado, let's, uh, do this. Today's Synopsis Rhyme is submitted by Devin Tuhey. Look, a woman, and she's talking. She says all is hopeless. Look, a man, he's podcasting. He narrates a synopsis. Synopsis. Thanks, Devin. Devin was referring, of course, to a couple of issues ago in the uh, New Teen Titans, where Raven appeared on television and the newscaster shouted in shocked amazement, Look, a woman, and she's talking to us. It really is surprising to me that that panel has not been used in a million memes yet. New Teen Titans, Volume 2, Number 4 January, 1985 Torment Written by Marv Wolfman Drotted by George Perez Inked by Romeo Tangal Lettered by Todd Klein Colored by Adrian Roy And edited by Marv Wolfman and George Perez Teen Titan Roll Call Lilith Nightwing Starfire Beast Boy Cyborg, Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, Jericho a little, and Raven, sort of, previously in New Teen Titans. For years Raven had been struggling to repress her emotions in an attempt to forestall her demonic bad dad Trigon from climbing out of her bird-shaped soul tummy and taking over the universe. The adolescent Azerothian Empath was already beginning to fail in her effort to let Trigon's be bygones, when her teammate Jericho's horrific judgment and inability to comprehend the very concept of consent tipped the balance in favor of Trigon's ascent. Raven's sinister sire seized stewardship of the sorceress's soul. Raven disappeared from the Titan Tower, and the whole planet became engulfed in dark, foreboding clouds as the ominous sound of Trigon's disembodied laughter filled the air. Fortunately, former Titan and occasional psychic Lilith stopped by and agreed to aid her former teammates in their search for their missing pal. At Lilith's insistence, the gang re-recruited another former Titan, Wally West, a.k.a. Kid Flash, whose on-again-off-again obsession with Raven had been instrumental in his decision to quit the team. The recently retired Rapid Runner reluctantly agreed to assist his amigos in their attempt to aid the erstwhile object of his affection. Lilith suggested that the gang conduct a seance. The temperamentally telepathic teen picked up a pair of rings that Raven had left behind and instructed the Titans to hold hands and close their eyes as she tried to contact their absent empath. The ceremony proved to be a mixed success. Lilith managed to contact Raven, but the avian-themed enchantress told her to fuck off. The gang declined the offer to fuck off and instead stuck around long enough to be contacted by Raven's mom, the sorceress Arella, who informed our titular teens that both her daughter and the mystical realm of Azerath were in grave danger. Arella teleported the teens to Azerath, but it was too late. Despite our hero's best efforts, Trigon's forces destroyed the magical metropolis and all inhabitants therein, who seemed oddly serene about their annihilation. Hmm... Lilith started acting more strangely than usual and informed the rest of the group that the ring she had swiped from Raven's room, which were hand-me-downs from Azar herself, not only protected our perplexed protagonists from being permanently polished off, but could also be used to teleport the gang back to New York so that they could continue the search for their missing chum. Handy. Get it? Because they're rings. The eldritch fashion accessories worked just as Lilith had surmised, and the Titans and Arella found themselves transported back to the Big Apple. Let him mention Hopping do has found that the city had changed a bit, in that when they left, it wasn't a nightmarish hellscape littered with geological formations adorned with twisted and tortured souls that had been corrupted by Trigon. And now it was. Outraged, the Titans stormed off in search of the individual responsible for these renovations. Be careful what you wish for, Titans. The heroes found that the object of both their new and their original quest was one and the same. Raven! Similar to the city itself, Raven had undergone some substantial alterations. Much like her perfidious papa, the previously pallid empath now sported a decidedly crimson complexion and a superfluous set of eyeballs. She informed her former friends that she was now working on behalf of her diabolical dad, who had taken over the planet and was perched motionless on a throne atop the newly calcified Titan Tower, either napping or taking a shit. The probably pooping parent in question was now over 75 feet tall, so it seemed a safe bet that our heroes wouldn't be getting the security deposit back on that T-shaped skyscraper. Jericho tried to use his objectively creepy powers to take over Raven's body, so she zapped him and put him in a coma. Hooray! Raven informed her terrified former teammates that her soul had been split in half and that the evil side was now dominant. She intended for the Titans to undergo a similar process. Instantly, Nightwing, Cyborg, Wonder Girl, Beast Boy, Starfire, and Kid Flash found themselves locked in individual nightmares where they faced evil black-and-white doppelgangers of themselves who informed them that their greatest fears were about to be realized. Lilith and Arella looked on in horror as a column formed in front of them, decorated with the carvings of contorted forms of the Teen Titans. The throaty chuckle of Trigon's demonic laughter filled the air as our heroes battled for their very souls. Gadzooks!
1: What does Raven's extra dimensional douchebag dad find so funny? Will the Titan souls be subsumed by their fiendish facsimiles? And how does Lilith plan on returning Raven to her previously pacifistic personality?
0: Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so. I don't know. Maybe like everyone else in the 80s, he keeps one of those far side collections near the toilet. Yes, kinda, but. Maybe not? I've read the issue a few times now, and I'm still a little iffy on that one. And by having her murdered. Huh. Lilith and Arella stare at the weird, twisted-up sculpture of the Titans. Arella's super freaked out, but Lilith is oddly serene, and acting more enigmatic and aloof than she has since her early 70s appearance when, due to a miscommunication with the art team, she was written as an unfortunate Asian stereotype. Yeah. Evil Raven hovers in front of them and says,
1: My dad Trigon is the bestest, most evil dad in the universe. He's already given the whole planet a makeover and turned it into a writhing mass of tortured skulls, beige rocks, and demon skulls, and I think it looks neat. "'There's nothing anyone can do to stop him. "'Now go away and let me corrupt the Titans so they can join my dad's forces, "'or I'll murder the both of you to
0: death!' "'Lilith is like, "'Nah, we're good.' "'As Lilith and Raven engage in this spirited and nuanced debate, "'the rest of the Titans engage in an internal struggle "'as they face evil Xerox versions of themselves.' Nightwing's sinister black-and-white counterpart goads him into battle by telling Dick that Batman thinks he's a loser and he should go back to being Robin because that's all he's good at. Also, the guy murdered Batman, but frankly, that seems to be of a lesser concern to Dick. Enraged, Nightwing attacks his evil twin and announces his intention to kill him. Similar scenes play out in the other Titans' respective psyches, as Victor, Donna, Gar, Coriander, and Wally are teased, belittled, attacked, and otherwise provoked into assaulting their various doppelgangers, and proclaiming their murderous intent while doing so. Raven gloats at Lilith that this is all part of her plan. Once the Titans succumb to their dark urges and kill their evil reflections, their souls will belong to Trigon, and will be Raven's to command. Lilith responds serenely, "'Nuh-uh,' and starts strolling towards that weird column that's festooned with distorted statues of the Titans. Raven is like,
1: What the fuck? Get away from there!
0: Don't touch that! N- knock it off, or-, or I'll destroy you! Lilith is like, No, you won't. At this point, Arella chimes in and goes, Raven, will you please stop being so evil? Raven goes berserk and says,
1: Fuck you, Mom! You're not the boss of me! That's why I'm living with my dad now! He lets me do what I want! Y- you know, as as long as it's evil.
0: Then she tries to zap her mom with some kind of energy beam. Much to her frustration, the beam bounces harmlessly off some kind of shield that pops up in front of Arella. Lilith says, You may as well stop doing that. We're not going to let you hurt anyone. Really? You might want to tell that to Jericho. Oh wait, you can't because Raven fried him with an energy blast, and now he's in a coma. Having said her piece, Lilith goes back to touching that statue column that Raven told her not to touch. Trigon looks on wordlessly from his toilet throne. Back in the Titans' nightmare battles, things are escalating quickly. Wally's contemptible carbon copy had previously made Wally watch as he had sex with a demonic version of Raven. He now taunts the Junior Wizard of Wiz, and is like, You're a stupid, indecisive little kid who can't make up his mind about anything, and you probably don't know how to fuck. An irate Wally retorts, You shut up! I'm a big boy! Then he uses his super speed to punch his corrupt counterpart to death. Like a big boy. As soon as his malevolent mirror image dies, Wally's eyes flash red, and the sound of Trigon's triumphant laughter can be heard. Scenes with similar conclusions play out for the rest of the team. Gar sees his depraved double assume the form of a dragon and incinerate the other titans. Enraged, the emerald adolescent responds by turning into an enormous nightmarish demon and eating the evil version of himself. Starfire magic space laser punches her doppelganger to death. Wonder Girl stabs evil Wonder Girl through the heart with a piece of scaffolding outside the Statue of Liberty. Cyborg bear hugs the venomous version of Victor to death and Nightwing kicks his evil twin into a convenient pile of Kirby crackle, which is presumably fatal because afterward Dick's eyes start glowing red. As they sense each titan give in to their anger and slay their sinister self-image, Lilith has been acting increasingly distressed, and Raven more and more triumphant. When the last of the harried hero's nobler instincts is subsumed by their baser impulses, Raven gives a cry of victory, and the column of tormented statues explodes. Standing in the debris of the shattered statue that once depicted their inner turmoil stands the evil version of the new Teen Titans. Sort of. These dark doppelgangers have a decidedly different demeanor, and where the initial evil avatars of our adventurous alternate incarnations appeared in tones of faded black and white, these versions are a more stylish black and red. Aha! Clearly they're supposed to represent the symbiosis of anarchy and communism. Oh, unless it's accounting ledgers. Or another reference to that Blue Oyster Cult song. Either way, they look super badass. Raven gloats. Now you and my mom are totally fucked, Lilith. These eviled up
1: titans have corrupted souls and are going to do whatever I tell them to.
0: Lilith is like, no, Raven, they will not. For I am like unto rubber, and you are that which is glue, and whatever you say will bounce off of me and adhere to your wicked hide. These eviled-up titans with corrupted souls are going to do whatever I tell them to. What? Lilith. That's just silly and doesn't make any sense. Look, I'm not happy that the earth is doomed either, but don't be a sore loser. Raven orders the evil titans to attack Lilith and destroy her. Instead... The evil titans attack Raven. Okay. I stand corrected. About Lilith being wrong, not about this turn of events not making any damn sense. Lilith is clearly overmatched by these dark titans, who are just kicking her four-eyed red ass all over the place. By which I mean she is red and has four eyes and the titans are kicking her ass, not that her ass has four eyes and is red. I mean, yes, presumably her ass is red because the rest of her is, but it has a normal amount of eyes, which is none. It's just a figure of speech. Probably a synecdoche, but nobody really knows for sure what that is. Anyway, Raven calls out for her shitty dad to grant her more power so that she can defeat her foes, but it is too late. Over Arella's tearful objections, the Titans totally murder the shit out of Raven. Dang. Dang. But as Arella watches her daughter get killed by gleefully vicious versions of her former buddies, a familiar-looking word bubble tells her, Chill out. It's cool. Hmm. As soon as Raven is reduced to a smoldering heap of ashes, the Titans all revert to their regular selves and are all like, What happened? Good question, guys. Unfortunately, before anyone gets to answer this very good question... A booming voice from high above them informs our titular teens, You just killed my daughter. I hate that. You guys are totally fucked. Oh, shit. Yep, Trigon has finally finished pooping on their house and is ready to kick the Titans' asses. Metaphorically, I mean. Trigon's even bigger now than he was at the beginning of the book, and now looks like he's about 40 or 50 stories tall, so I doubt that his feet could target an isolated body part on any of our heroes. So, that expression was probably another one of those synecdoche things. Probably. I hope that eventually word scientists figure out what those things are, because sure it's fun to say. Synecdoche. To be concluded. Synecdoche. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I am
2: perhaps a little loopy due to not sleeping a whole bunch and
0: being pretty busy. Likewise. Oh, right. Yeah, I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to take Lisa to the airport and have never really adjusted since. But you know what I hear? What? Nothing perks you up like a depressant. All right. So, what'd you think of this comic book? So... I thought that the artwork in this
2: comic book was amazing. Agreed. And in a way that makes me a little nervous because I feel like I am saying that over and over again and it just keeps getting better and eventually we're going to reach peak Perez and uh, and then it's going to go downhill or something.
0: I agree. I don't want to be redundant about it, but both the art and I feel like such a shill, but I love this printing process. There are parts where... Especially, like, when there are a lot of dark black colors, where it almost looks embossed. And it's just so cool. I don't know to what extent that comes through on the reprints, but, like, there's one in particular where Beast Boy has turned into a red and black snake. With the reds and blacks specifically. It's just so cool looking. And... You, you can tell that Perez and Adrian Roy and Romeo Tangal are all really leaning into this new process and doing interesting, innovative things with it, and it's really, really cool.
2: Yeah. So I found it visually astounding. Story wise, I felt like it was really just kind of drawing out the same stuff that we had in the last
0: issue, which, frankly, was enough for me in the last issue. Like, it's confusing. I don't have necessarily the same issue with the pacing. I feel like it's a big story, and so I don't mind it being drawn out. Honestly, this is the first issue in a while, and I'm sure this will not be the case because it never is. But reading it, I was like, I don't know if I have enough to say about this to fill a podcast. It'll work itself out.
2: Maybe you can fill the space by telling me what the hell happened i don't understand the ending of this at all
0: i don't understand most of what happens in it i i'm in the same boat hopefully there will be a reveal in the next issue of exactly what was going down but so far all i can get is that maybe lilith and it seems like she maybe has raven's good side living inside of her does that seem like yeah, a reasonable assumption? Yeah, we had chatted
2: about that yeah. last time being a possibility, but it seems like in addition to that, she got all of the Azarathians or their wisdom, Yeah, too?
0: I th- maybe. That would make sense in, in terms of the way this is coming out, but it's like the good guys are doing the bad guy mastermind move from a movie or from, like, Brother Blood, where it's like the protagonist manages to foil... 90 percent of the plan and it looks like they won and then at that point the bad guy's like oh no no i wanted you to defeat me up until this point that was all part of my plan that doesn't make any sense because why would i try so hard in the beginning wait except for this time it's the good guy doing this instead of the bad guy doing this well was
2: lilith even part of the brother blood deal
0: no so, no, it was parallel evolution on her part. Maybe she oh. saw about it on W-U-B-S.
2: Yeah, she probably checked it out on Snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Good old wubs.
0: This is totally tangential, but we had joked about the name W-U-B-S before and how they came up with those call letters and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's a reference to the movie Network. Oh. I watched that the other day, and the network in that is called U-B-S. So it would make sense, just because it's an East Coast thing, put the W in front of it to make it a single affiliate. I think it might be a reference to Network, which man, that movie is fucking astounding. I
2: have to rewatch it; it's been too long.
0: I I would heartily recommend it. least I hadn't seen it before, and so we watched it last night, and it's like, oh, that's really good. And also, oh, UBS. I wonder, but yeah, I don't I don't understand what's going on with this. So it seemed like Lilith wanted the Teen Titans to defeat their evil side, but not kill them. And then Evil Raven wanted the Teen Titans to kill their evil selves. And then Lilith was really upset about that. But then, when it actually happened, Lilith was like, no, 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 that was what I wanted to have happen all along. Which makes no sense, at least for
2: the audience, because the way it's explained to us is... That's exactly what Trigon wants is because when they kill their evil selves, their souls become his for
0: eternity. Right. So that was what we were given before coming into this. But this time we see that once they kill their evil versions of themselves, then they get dark powers. But I guess they don't have to do what Trigon says because something Lilith did. Because Lilith. So there was
2: that confusion. My other... I guess, main complaint about the story is... I don't know how you can get around it in a short format, like a, a, a single issue of a comic book, but the treatment of good and evil as this absolutist, completely binary thing is, I feel like, a little bit tired.
0: I totally agree with that, and I was very confused as to what the nature of the Titan's evil side even was. Like, in the previous issue, it seemed like it was setting up that maybe the negative image of the Titan was supposed to represent each a different sin was something that we had discussed being a possibility because it kind of seemed like it was leaning in that direction. Or maybe it was supposed to represent each Titan's greatest fear. And that seemed to be the thing that was making the most sense. But in this, they kind of dropped that thread in most of them. I mean, wall still kind of seems to be being that, but it definitely is making the case textually more than anything, that it is just the evil side of the Teen Titans that has been separated from the good side of them, and they have to duke it out.
2: And the evil side is such a major jerk that they're like, you are hurting my feelings
0: so bad, I am going to kill you. Well, and that's kind of what I wanted to get at, because it doesn't, like, their evil side, is there a side of Beast Boy that did kill all of his friends? Because that's what that seems to be representing. And if it's not representing his fear, then it's that. And so, like, with each of the Titans, there's, like, is there a side of Wonder Girl that wants to murder Terry? I mean, it seems reasonable, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> but with all of those, and what I ended up coming to was, like, no, they're just dicks. Like, they're just total dicks that know the Titans really well and, like, know where their buttons are and know how to push them.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: to the degree that the titans have to murder them (laughs) there is no other option these guys are such dicks that they are just total murder bait
2: yeah i mean that was basically what i came away with too (laughs) it was like it was a little more interesting when it was like wrestling with your greatest fear or or some more complicated idea but no it's just total like such a jerk has to get killed yeah
0: and it, it seems like the fact that there is kind of a redirecting of that. I don't know. It came across that way as that was more of almost Wolfman retconning his own work to make that be the case. And that makes me nervous that we won't get a satisfying conclusion to this story where we actually find out what's going on with these things. Like, I know we'll get a partial explanation of what the Red and Black Titans were maybe supposed to represent, but I'm worried that there'll be more hand-waving and it actually won't Totally makes sense. One of the byproducts of this whole storyline was I found myself actually feeling bad for Raven, the evil Raven, just because Lilith is totally playing Macaroni I win with this. <laughs> like, I don't,
2: did we explain what?
0: Uh, macaroni I win is a game that my sister made up, the only rules of which were that she always won. And because she was three years older than me, It took me a while to figure out that those were the only real rules to the game. And so it was a constant source of frustration. But I feel like that's kind of what Lilith is doing with Raven. It's not even a matter of Ravens playing checkers and Lilith playing chess. It's like, well, Raven's trying to set up the chessboard. Lilith's pointing a gun at her under the table and she doesn't realize it. And I ended up feeling bad for her just because it seems unfair. Especially when you get sentences like, uh, Raven says... Nothing and no one can stop me. No one is impervious to my power. And Lilith really calmly just says, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Zane (laughs) is like, damn. That's gotta be so frustrating for Raven. As a younger sibling, my heart just kind of goes out
2: to her, I gotta say. And then later, too, when Lilith tells her, oh, all that bad shit you did, it just made them stronger. Yeah. So, how
0: the fuck does
2: that work? I'm so confused about
0: it. So, when they killed their evil selves in the dream they became evil which was the whole thing that raven wanted to have happen mm-hmm. and presumably trigon wanted to have happen mm-hmm. then they're freed from their soul prison or whatever because they've succumbed to their dark urges so now they are trigon's minions but they aren't nope now they're just real tough and now hot, they're they're black yeah they It seems like they're basically still acting like the Titans except for they're jerks and they're okay with killing. I guess. Until they do kill raven and then maybe because she was the one pulling the strings then they're free and they're their regular selves again that seemed to be the case once they kill her it's like poof
2: it was all a dream and they're like what happened
0: yeah and then they probably presumably feel bad about killing her the other person i feel bad for besides kind of feeling bad for raven is i feel really bad for arella because it seems like a couple of sentences from lilith about what she's doing could clear up a lot of anguish on arella's part Unless there's a particular reason she needs to be kept in the dark about it. It seems like, just be like, hey, I'm not really killing your daughter. Mm -hmm. She's going to be okay in the end. She's living in my soul tummy.
2: That would have meant a lot.
0: Yeah. But instead, Arello's like, oh my god, don't kill my kid.
2: (laughs) And and Lil's like, no, that's cool, we gotta. (laughs) Yeah. Chill out. (laughs) Take a chill pill. Seriously. It's like some Donna Troy grief
1: counseling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Maybe reverse image Donna Troy would be an actually competent grief counselor. And if she could have taken a second away from killing Arella's daughter, then she could have made Arella feel better about the fact that she was killing her daughter. Too busy. Yeah. We'll never know. Tough to multitask something like that, I'd imagine. Oh, sure. So, I think I may have been doing the wrong voice for Raven this whole time. Mm. I kind of tend to do a voice for Raven that's a cross between Storm from the old X-Men cartoon and the ghost of Doctor Strange. So I normally have her sounding like, uh, Come near them
1: now while I manipulate their minds, and I swear that, mother or no, I will burn your foul flesh.
0: Like, I mean, that's more direct than Raven normally is, but that's because this is the evil Raven. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe I should make her sound different because of one of the things that she says to Lilith and Arella, well, Lilith is presumably talking like Raven, I think. Like, Arella said that she recognized her voice and they'd said they'd seen her face on Raven before. But Raven says, "'Stay away, you venom! The titans are mine to control and destroy!' Now, at first, I thought that that was a misprint and that they had meant to say vermin, because that's what would normally go in that. But I think maybe either standing behind Lilith and Arella is the 80s metal band Venom. Or maybe just that, like that three eyed wolf thing they got. Ugh. Creepy. Yeah. Or maybe when she is talking with Raven's voice, Lilith sounds like Kronos from Venom. Okay!
1: What the fuck do you mothers want to hear?
0: (laughs) And Raven can't see so good because she's new at having four eyeballs. And so, like, it seems like that would be clearer vision. But quadrocular vision has got to be difficult to get used to. And so, like, maybe things are really blurry and hard to focus at first. So she's like, stay away from them, Venom. Because she thinks Venom's there. Oh. Wait, does
2: Lilith... Sounds like Venom?
0: Yeah, well, I was thinking that Lilith was sounding like Raven in this issue, and uh-huh. so that would make that by the transitive property, Raven would generally sound like Venom. So, yeah, I, I guess definitely we can say that Lilith probably sounds like Venom. I may not, maybe I'm not doing the wrong voice for Raven. She is no longer
1: Raven! She is no longer your daughter! Arella, look at her! Her soul has been rent by her father Trigon! She belongs to him now! Buried life, this next spell <laughs> is going to rip your balls off. <laughs> you want to hear something really heavy? You want to hear something that's going to kick your balls off?
2: Yeah. Crack a Newcastle and get to it. You know, the, um, that's the f- Just as an aside, Newcastle Brown Ale is not a
0: strong beer. It's not that strong.
1: This comes from where Venom come from. It's called Newcastle Brown Ale. It knocks you on your fucking back, let me tell you.
0: Yeah. Th- then at the end, when Arella's freaking out about her daughter dying, she sees this one voice bubble that I think is supposed to be OG Raven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Arella's like, th- th- "That voice! I know that voice! Mm-hmm. It's either Raven or Kronos from Venom." <laughs>
2: what does she? She doesn't say that. It's
0: implied. Look at the look on her face. That's a face you make when you think Kronos from Venom might be nearby. Oh, come on! on! Maybe.
1: <laughs> See, that's... Heed the girl, Arella! Do as she says! Oh, oh God! No, <laughs> not
0: <him. laughs> Okay, it just makes sense. During his fight with his evil half, Beast Boy turns into, like, this giant evil demon that looks like a way more sinister version of Sweetums from uh, The Muppet Show as terrifying. But if he could turn into a building-sized monster, why the fuck isn't he just Godzilla all the time? Yeah, I had similar thoughts.
2: It was very scary. So why doesn't he do it all the time? Bad job.
0: Bad job indeed. That's why you get a category named after you. That's part of how you get a category named after you. The other part of how you get a category named after you is having, like, a regressive loop of you being constantly insecure and then you going around and sexually harassing people. Which brings me to the next thing I wanted to bring up. It's not Beast Boy doing that this time. He seems fine in this issue. But we are treated to what I think is supposed to be a cathartic moment of Wally West saying that he's not going to be indecisive anymore and he's ready to take action, even though that action is him killing his alternate evil self, which... I guess makes Raven stronger, but then it doesn't. But his arc of being indecisive and then finally reaching a decision has been done so many times that I feel like it's his version of Beast Boy being insecure. And I'm fucking over it. I was also a little bit curious as to why Wally is the only one whose evil self has four eyeballs. Is having four eyeballs a sexually transmitted disease? (laughs) (laughs) Because he's he's having sex with Raven, Mm -hmm. or is it just like that reverse image kid Flash knows that that'll freak Wally out more, so he decided to do that? I mean, I think that's probably the thing that's most expedient, but I was curious as to what it's trying to imply within the comic book. If it's supposed to be saying that maybe because he's the closest to Raven, that's why that happens, or maybe he's the evilest. I don't know. It just seems like either everybody should get four eyeballs or nobody should get four eyeballs.
2: I'm going to go with he's the closest to evil because he's the first to kill.
0: Mm. Hmm. Yeah.
2: My notes that two is like the letter two.
0: Oh, nice. Like it's the name of a movie. Yeah. Or a Prince song. Yeah. (laughs) No Purple Rain, but. No, it's a B side. Yeah. I was really frustrated with with Kid Flash throughout that exchange with his evil side like it was kind of cool to see him like work through his speed issues and punch himself to death (laughs) (laughs) but it was also just kind of gross yeah it seemed like before he had reached the decision that he was through being indecisive and he wasn't in love with raven anymore and this time him being decisive is reaching the exact opposite conclusion where he's like no, I, I know what I want now for the first time, and that's to not let you carry Raven away because I do want to have sex with her as a demon, was what I was kind of getting from that. Yep, me too. And makes me feel bad for Francis Kane.
2: Yep. And also for Raven, too, because it's kind of, gr- like, she's basically like this, she's naked and Evil Wally's running off with her like a she's a piece of meat. Yeah, And that's the motivating thing for ostensibly not evil Wally.
0: Yeah, once again, she does not talk at all in that scenario, which maybe is Wally's idealized version of her, where she is just both an object and evil. And so he doesn't need to feel bad about sinning with her. I don't know. There's a lot about it that is just like very uncomfortable and very unsatisfying in seeing Wally as a hero coming out of this. But I did like that he punched himself to death. Mm-hmm. So a real mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Why is Trigon so big? Mm. Like we saw that before it said that he was 75 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Which, okay. I can adjust my expectation of Trigon to see him being 75 feet tall. In this, we mostly throughout the issue see establishing shots of him continuing to poop on top of the Titan Tower. Mm -hmm. But then in the final page, we see him standing right behind the Titan Tower and it barely comes up to his knees. Pooping should make you smaller, not bigger. (laughs) What kind of crazy dimension is that guy from? It doesn't make you shorter if you poop. (laughs) It does if you poop your bones out.
1: Which generally doesn't happen, but that
0: seemed like it was a really, really
2: big
1: poopy. It when took it. Me, I couldn't
2: even under. It took me a minute to parse what you just said. It's not even medically possible. I'm sorry, Corey. I didn't realize you were a doctor. I am not, but I am.
0: I know enough about bones and pooping to know it doesn't work that way. Fine, but it shouldn't make you bigger. Definitely. Like I can understand thinking that it might make you smaller. Okay, so this is a problem that astronauts had. It they is. got bigger because they pooped in no, no, space? No, no, no,
2: no. Not the let go of the pooping. It's not about that. It's about okay. napping.
0: Oh. So, so he
2: was napping the whole time during this issue. So
0: you don't think he was pooping on the on the toilet that he built on top doesn't of the Tower? It doesn't matter. He
2: can poop if he wants. He's napping but he fell at asleep. the same
0: time. Like maybe he had a vasovagal reaction and he passed out because he was pooping too hard. Maybe so. That's... That would make sense.
2: Yeah. Regardless, gravity is compressive. Right. We spend most of our time in an upright position, either seated or walking around. Oh, okay, yeah. When you go to sleep at night, you wake up in the morning, you're actually taller and longer because your bones have had a chance to, your spine is decompressed and everything. Right. Which,
0: astronauts had trouble with that. But he wasn't lying down, he was just sitting. Like, he was sleeping like Big Bird sleeps, in a, like sitting in a chair. So, maybe I mean, or only a nest. his legs... Got longer, but not as spine. His legs must have gotten a lot longer because, like I said, that that Titan Tower barely comes up to his knees now. Maybe the tower's smaller. How, well, why would he shrink the tower? Did he just build another one just so he could look bigger? <laughs> That's pretty clever. Yeah, I don't know. He also did. I noticed, like, make the building a little codpiece. What?
1: Yeah. See, it's just like his. <laughs>
0: Little demon skull coming out of the uh the base of the uh the giant stone tee that used to be the Titan Tower. Yep. And he's got it positioned in a way very similar to his cod piece that is shaped like his own head. Um, I don't know why
2: he's so much taller, but it's it's a very imposing figure that he strikes. It is.
0: Letter Todd Klein is back. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed his contribution. I think it made actually a real difference. In the comic book, the way the lettering was spaced out contributed to the flow of the story. And there was just a weird little touch with the evil titans at the end when they're in their red and black form, having all black sound bubbles, which is just really cool looking. It was all just really well executed, but uh, I, I don't feel like we give quite enough love to the letterers and colorists and inkers of issues. And one of the things that doing this show has really done is opened my eyes to what a valuable contribution they make and what a difference it makes from one to the next. And so Todd Klein has become a bit of a favorite of mine, and it's nice to see him back on the book. Yeah, seriously, it's
2: akin to... I mean, there's kind of the standard comic font (laughs) that, that people letter in. So the fact of being able to do that consistently on its own is bonkers. I look at the notes that I take for this show. Some days they're <laughs> legible. Some days it's like, I can't even read the shit that I wrote down.
0: Did you ever see the movie Primer? No. It's it's a really good movie. It's about time travel, but these two guys keep going on time travel loops. It's an independent, low-budget film. But one of the clues they have that they've done it too much is like they start looking at their handwriting and it starts getting worse. And there's a scene where they look at their handwriting and it's like, what what is this? The, it's like we're children. And uh, I looked at it, and was like, "Am I a time traveler?" <laughs> I have terrible penmanship. That's when true. when I try, yeah, it's okay. Like if I if I write things out in cursive, it's fine. But the the chicken scratch for when I'm taking notes, it's I usually can't figure out what the hell it says. Mm-hmm. No, I'm
2: I'm very impressed by the lettering in this. Uh, not just the word bubbles, but the sound effects. Oh, letters yeah. are yeah. really cool here. Yeah. People are emoting in ways that just jump out of the page at you. Raven.
1: I definitely want to get back
0: to that. That that one particularly, it looks like she is being hit over the head with the letters that she is screaming. They're done in like a 3D effect of the ah like the old uh the spirit comic books used to do that in the title page but it it has this thing where it's just like it looks like the letters are what are knocking her out they have that much just heft and solidity and it really adds to the idea of the anguish that she's in it's, it's really cool yeah is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into the minutiae no i think that
2: covers it i just and i hope that they ring sense of The conclusion to this, like you said, maybe there'll be some reveal, but at this point, I am worried it's gonna be a you know that they woke up and it's all a dream kind of answer.
0: Oh, gosh, I would hate that. Mm -hmm. Did I talk about the sequel to Rosemary's Baby on this show before? I believe so. God, it pissed me off so much. Just in case I didn't, in the 90s, Ira Levine, who wrote the original Rosemary's Baby, wrote a sequel to Rosemary's Baby. Obvious cash grab. The book pissed me off so much when it got to the end. This is a spoiler, but I'm not apologizing for it. You're welcome for this spoiler. You should not read this book. And if you do, it should be with the foreknowledge that this is how it ends. Rosemary wakes up, and it was all a dream. Not just the sequel, but the original Rosemary's Baby was just a dream too. Such bullshit. I'm angry just That shouldn't just thinking be allowed for a book that people pay money for. You oh,
2: be allowed to end it like that.
0: The only book that I read that pissed me off a similar amount was there was a Steinbeck reinterpretation of La Morte d'Arthur, which I was like, this is perfect. I love Arthurian myth. I love Steinbeck. At first, it didn't make any sense to me, but then I was like, Oh, kind of misogynistic story about uh, how a evil woman ruins everything that was going great. That's totally a Steinbeck book. It was really, really good. And then I got about two-thirds of the way through the book, and it just stopped. And the rest of the book was just footnotes about why that book was never completed.
2: Oh, bad. It
0: got right up to when Lancelot and Guinevere were about to hook up. Oh. And then... The rest is just letters back and forth between him and his editor about why he wasn't finishing the book.
2: That is fucking stupid.
0: How can you publish that? It pissed me off so much. If you publish it, you put a big fucking sticker on the front that says half a fucking book. Yeah. Well, okay. The the only thing that will soothe my frazzled nerves now is the dulcet tones of Rick. Rick, would you mind singing <laughs> us into the minutia? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Cory eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. Cory, yep. What was your favorite sound effect? Ah! I'll allow it. There's not honestly a ton to choose from in this issue. We have a bunch of screes. ARG is written like a sound effect. We discussed the way that it was written up. I don't think it quite counts as dialogue because of the way it is presented. The other piece of almost dialogue that is presented like it might be a sound effect is Raven yelling, FATHER! <laughs> <laughs> which I have to believe is in oh, a Danzig voice. Oh, man, she danzig it up. It, it's just, look, look at the font. It looks like a Danzig font. I think
2: it was you who pointed out to me that if you listened to the song Mother with at, like, face value.
0: Mother gonna take your daughter out tonight. Mm-hmm. That's your sister, Glenn Danzig. Weird. Yeah. Not the weirdest thing about Glenn Danzig, but weird. Have you seen that video of him sitting in front of his bookcase crouched down talking about werewolves? Yes, I have. So good. Does he have a fountain? Or a pond? There's some weird... I mean, I assume that's where he gets his powers from.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah, that's the sound effects. He got an arg, which we talked about a little bit before, and a father! (laughs) (laughs) This is a little Billy Idol, but I'll, I'll accept it. Thank you. I was doing Glenn Danzig from the Power and Fury Orchestra, not from the Misfits. Sartorially speaking, which elements of fashion did you find most worthy of note? I flipped through this maybe three times, trying to find new
2: outfits, and I couldn't discern any, so I opted to go with the Red and Black Titans, because although they weren't wearing different outfits per se, it was a very cool-looking panel, and uh,
0: I liked it a lot. Okay, it was a good look for them. Yeah, I had a similar problem to you. We didn't get any new outfits for anybody in this. But there was one that I feel like we kind of glossed over before, which was Cyborg's outfit. And I don't really want to necessarily talk about the detail of it. We've certainly seen Cyborg's outfit before. It is essentially a silver one-piece bathing suit. But why the fuck is he wearing it if he doesn't have any robot parts? Like, I just took it at face value. Like, yeah, well, that's how Cyborg dresses, so that's how his evil side dresses. In the scenario set up by his evil side's existence, his evil side is fully human, which means he doesn't have any superpowers, and he doesn't have any robot parts to conceal. So he's just wearing a silver one-piece bathing suit around in Central Park. That's a weird thing to do. Well, the alternative to really piss off Cyborg would be going nude. Sure.
2: And that probably would have gotten him locked up, evil Cyborg or no, so he's got to put on the onesie. I guess that makes sense. He could have also just put on clothes. Well, then how would you see his humanly muscled legs and whatnot?
0: I guess that's a good point. Tough but fair. That's what I aim for. Every issue of a Teen Titans comic has an Aqualad, the greatest of all Teen Titans, and a Beast Boy, the worst of all Teen Titans. In this issue, who was your Aqualad and who was your Beast Boy? My notes say for Aqualad, Lil, I guess, Hmm. she, I guess, did, if it is even her, did she the best job. apparently has a Rube Goldberg-esque Machiavellian scheme to foil Raven. I had the same thing. I don't feel great about it, but I guess she's saving the day? Yeah, that's the assumption. Yeah, so yeah, I had the same thing for my Aqualad. For my Beast Boy... I had Raven. As I said, I feel a little bit bad for her, but she is doing a bad job. I know that she's evil, but before I had picked Terra when she was doing a good job at being evil, and Raven is doing a very bad job at being evil. Now, I'm not penalizing her for not knowing about whatever nonsense Lilith is planning, but I do have an issue with the fact that when you are bluffing, and somebody calls you on your bluff, you kind of have to stop bluffing at that point. And Raven really doesn't. (laughs) It's like when I played poker with you and Lee that one (laughs) time. (laughs) Yeah, it was after you would lay your cards down and you had been bluffing, you would still insist that you had the better hand, even though we're all looking at the fact that you got a jack-high-nothing. We were like, no, I still think I got a pretty good hand. I'm like, Corey, the round's over. But that's what Raven's doing. I empathize. She says, Get away from them, human. They belong to us now. Leave them be. Do
1: you hear me, human? Be gone before I destroy you. You refuse? But you cannot.
0: Do not make me use my powers against you. Away from them now. And Lilith just real calmly goes, uh, I can't, and you know why. Just like you know you can't destroy me. And Raven is clearly not destroying her, or even trying, and she's like, I can, I will. Nothing and no one can stop me. No one's impervious to my power. And Lil, that's when Lilith just goes, I am. But yeah, throughout that exchange, there, there really is just like, oh, no, she called you. She she knows you're not going to do shit. And she keeps standing there not doing shit and saying that she's going to do something, which she can't. Mm-hmm. Once your bluff has been called, you really need to stop bluffing or you just look foolish. And yeah, that's why I had Raven as my beast boy in this issue. Who did you have as yours? That's fair. I had Wally because,
2: well, in the initial reading of the comic book, because when the Titans kill their evil selves, they then become Trigons and fall into the evil plan. And he was the first Titan to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, bad job. However, in retrospect, the way this ended, maybe that made them stronger and that's what enabled them to kill Raven. Therefore, he's the best. No, nah, he's still a douche. He really seemed to be douchey. Yeah. And I didn't like the thing with Naked Raven and all no. of that. So fuck that guy. It's Wally. Tough but fair. Well, oh, that's two
0: tough but per- fairs fair. in an episode. Wow. Pretty good. TBS That you pretty tough and pretty Squared. fair. Were you able to find a timestamp in this issue? I was not, but I found a lot of show and tells. There were definitely a lot of those. What did you have for your show and tells?
2: The first one was... On page 16, where the column of the distorted bodies of the Teen Titans falls apart, during which time Lilith says, the column, it is shaking apart. There you go. But the one that I really liked was on page 18, when everybody starts beating up Raven and she says, they turn on me. Yeah, no shit.
0: Yeah, I misread that at first as they turn me on. (laughs) Um, very different meaning, very different comic book that would be. But they do look great in their black and red outfits. So were that the case, I could totally understand why Raven would say that. I did find some timestamps. It wasn't easy. We have, of course, the reason I didn't have this as mine is because we have seen it before. But the Remo Williams scaffolding around the Statue of Liberty, it always just is like, okay, that's, uh, that's mid to early 80s. That's when they were doing that renovation on the Statue of Liberty as immortalized in the film Remo Williams. That's where Donna's fight with herself takes place.
2: Did you hear about that tree they found? They found a tree in the Brazilian Amazon that's as tall
0: as the Statue of Liberty up to the torch. Oh. Biggest one we got. That's the biggest tree? Mm-hmm. Do you know what the previous biggest tree had been? No. Oh. How bet it feels bad. I don't think so. Touché. But the other timestamp that I had is kind of a rarity. I I try not to do these, but it's a comic book in-universe specific timestamp, which is... Nerd. Oh, totally. You see the melted and distorted forms of the world's heroes. You see one of Superman, you see one of Wonder Woman, you see one of Batman, and you see one of the Justice League. Mm -hmm. And it is very clearly the Justice League Detroit era Justice League, which was not around for particularly long, but you see... There is Elongated Man, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, and in the background you can see Steel being a member of the team. (laughs) And he wasn't around there for all that long. It's tough to tell who the other two are. I mean, presumably it would be either Vixen or Gypsy and uh, Vibe, but it's kind of tough to tell who they are. But it very much puts that in the Justice League Detroit era. And so it's a little bit fudging it, but I think that counts as a timestamp.
2: No, that's good. That's, and that schools me too, because I was, other than Aquaman and the Elongated Man, I was a little bit confused about who those folks were. I also need to say that the way that Perez and the team rendered all of the melted, distorted figures is fucking awesome. It's creepy as hell, and I liked it.
0: I liked it too, and agreed. Creepy as hell. Corey, it's time to take this party to the
1: BOZO!
0: Okay. <laughs> what instance of one character calling another character a bozo, either literally or metaphorically, did you feel was worthy of note? Well, I don't
2: have my ear horn. I didn't find any nanny bees. But Raven was on a roll. She had a couple of good ones. Man, zingers. Left and right. Well, what were your
0: favorite of her zingers?
2: I liked what we previously mentioned already that you thought was maybe a typo, where she, she called somebody a venom. Sure. Because that was just so weird, and it also made me think of the metal band. Mm-hmm. I liked on page seven the extensive use of the word human as a total diss. Pretty good one. The last Raven thing I liked was she used the word dolt. I had that noted as well. Okay. You dolt.
0: Like Pretty good. People don't say that enough, I think. I agree. They should say it more. I can see my grandpa saying that. He, I can see him saying that, He too. had a way with old-timey insults. I, I will never forget the time he called my, uh, my dad a cad and a churl. Oh. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. 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 Uh, in his defense, my dad was being a churlish cad. So, Accurate. tough but fair. My favorite came from Wally to himself. Page 14? I believe so. Such a little boy. Can't make up your mind like the big guys do. <laughs> So I'm taking Raven, and I'm going to make love to her, and I'm going to make her forget you ever existed. But the, uh, you're such a little boy, can't make up your mind like the big guys do. Zing.
2: I liked that, but I had a different one.
0: I liked it when, uh, evil, I think evil
2: Wally called regular Wally, lousy filth.
0: Lousy filth is pretty good. Is that it, or is that regular Wally calling bad Wally that? I can't remember. They kind of blur. No, it is good Wally calling bad Wally lousy filth. After Bad Wally calls, I guess, Indifferent Wally. Let's not call him Good Wally. <laughs>
2: no, no, I don't want to do that.
0: Bad Wally calls Slightly Better Wally a coward who can't make up his mind. And that is when Wally punches himself to death.
1: hmm
0: What was your favorite panel? There were so many good ones.
2: I had three that are really hard to choose between. If I have to choose, I'm going to go with one that is simple but I think just really impactful and awesomely rendered, and that's
0: on page twenty. And it's Evil Nightwing. Ooh, the close-up of Evil Nightwing. Yeah, that is really good. Uh, and that is a- another one where it looks like those images are almost embossed onto the page. I like this printing process so much. Mm-hmm. That looks really good. I also had a red and black version of Evil Titans, but I have it the uh, the Dark Titans together. I'm calling it where it's just them standing, looking dope as hell and evil as hell. And it's just really a cool group shot. Other panels that I really liked, there's one when Beast Boy is fighting his alter ego that I called Anime Pterodactyl. I called it No-No Bird and the Big Beast. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, he starts off, he's in his pterodactyl form, and it's a close-up of a face of a horrified pterodactyl saying no 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 and there's a like starburst behind it that yeah. really it looks like something that you would see in an anime when it is a close-up of a reaction shot of someone or it looks like it could have come out of an image comic in like the early 90s or even a blacklight poster from a head shop <laughs> But then that is inset into a panel of the Beast Boy evil monster at his most terrifying and it's really, really good. The other one that I had that was in contention, I just call Bonk because it's the sound effect (laughs) that I imagined. Raven's giving a speech about how they're fools and they wouldn't dare attack her and uh, one of uh, Nightwing's metal frisbees just bounces off her head. And it was such a moment of unintentional comic relief that it really, really just cracked me up. It's just such a silly thing to attack a world-destroying level evil person with. Just like, I'm gonna throw one of these metal frisbees at her head. Bonk!
2: Yeah, like you said, unintentionally comedic. It cracked me up real good (laughs) when I was... Reading this and uh i don't know man i don't want to play ultimate with uh nightwing though no or really with anybody because i've never played to, it and you, it seems hard
0: yeah i think i would be bad at it too but especially did, not with him
2: i always have the thing where the frisbee goes at a weird angle yeah it's difficult to get a good throw that's how they say it I think. yep the pros
0: yeah they call it a oh good throw man they, maybe they'll say oh. uh nice frizz way to be but do you, see then you call did, them by their I'm last there? name frisbee Oh, no, that's nice. I I missed that. I'm sorry. It was too subtle. subtle. It was too subtle for me. Yeah. Well, Corey, I have but one final question I must put to you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Wapoot! What is Aqualad probably up to in the year of our Lord, 1986, and the month of our Lord, March? Wapoot! Right. So, you'll remember...
2: That fateful day when Aqualad made that bad bet with Aquaman about the tennis match between Chris Evert and Martina Navratilova. Of Martin. course. I think we
0: all remember that fateful day. He oh. had to clean the whole dome of Atlantis. The
2: whole dome. So uh, Aquaman was out of town on official business. Official
1: business. Wah, wah.
2: So Aqualad found his way into the liquor cabinet. Made himself a cocktail.
0: Yeah. Um, when the shark's away, the minnow will play.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: you know, got a little bit into his cups and was ruminating on that painful loss and was kind of starting to feel a little cranky about it. And, uh, you know, started perusing the, uh, the sports journals like he does Mm -hmm. and, um, realized that Martina Navratilova was the first tennis player ever to be paid more than 10 million bucks.
0: Wow. Good for her. Good for her. However,
2: (laughs) i in his cups, As he was, feeling salty about the loss and having to clean the dome, decided mm, he felt like maybe he should be compensated. Oh, that's not how sports betting works. It's not at all. And it's
0: also kind of atypical because he's normally a... Considerate young man.
2: Considerate guy.
0: Was it Aquaman's dark liquor cabinet? Did Did he, like, end up consuming some, like, jellyfish venom, which brings out your evil alter ego a little bit yeah there could be some
2: weird serendipity with what's going on with the rest of the old gang here Mm. who knows there was just one liquor cabinet it was dark
0: no well there you go
2: so he um places a a drunken call to uh to the to the tennis star they they'd actually met because he's a huge fan of the sport Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they'd corresponded a little bit and she's you know it's kind of like he's a sort of minor celebrity on his own and pretty major celebrity okay okay so she takes the call and she's like oh come on. It's so good to hear from you he's like yeah me a million dollars blah 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 she eventually manages to get him calmed down and chilled out says he needs to to hydrate drink something that's just water mm. and then she says look i'm not going to give you the money that i made because you lost a bet on a game that i won because <laughs> that's stupid right but what i will do is i'll give you a little tip you take the money that you do have, and two days from now, there's going to be an initial public offering for a little company you've never heard of called Microsoft, and I want you to take all of your money and go buy that stock. Did he? Let's just say that if he wanted to, he could buy a nice submarine, but he doesn't need to.
0: No, he's what he do strength with a submarine? And, and that's what Aqualad was probably up to? Probably. That was one thing that he was probably up to. Maybe to atone for his behavior, Aqualad was feeling... Like, he really wanted to give something back to society. Now, he had previously toured the whole world many times over. But one of those times early on was touring with his pal, the rock and roll star Holly Hip. when he ended up foiling the Mad Mod in England when he was a teenager in the 60s. During that time, he made the acquaintance of a certain rock and roll celebrity named Cliff Richards. Cliff Richards, huge star in England, Sir Cliff Richards, he's the third biggest-selling star in British history behind the Beatles and Elvis Presley. Didn't really have the same success outside of the United Kingdom, but Aqualad had been keeping up with his, uh, his exploits, and they had formed a friendship. A few years ago, Aqualad had called him because he had had a song called Living Doll, and Aqualad wanted to know if that was about his pal Brother Power the Geek. And it wasn't. Very different song. If he'd even paid attention to some of the lyrics other than the title, he really would have known that. But that song had always stuck in Aqualad's head. And so when he saw a little program called The Young Ones, which it took him a while to warm up to because I love Aqualad. He's great. Obviously, greatest Teen Titan of all time, but he's an earnest young man, and his sense of humor was largely developed from a combination of Silver Age Robin jokes and uh, Aquaman's fish-based puns. So the rather absurdist humor of the young ones was at first kind of lost on him, but then there were a couple of times when Vivian hit Rick in the uh, crotch with a cricket bat, and Rick said, Ha ha, missed both my legs. And, uh, well, young Aqualad was sold. So he got in touch with his good pal, Cliff Richards, and the young ones, and he had them collaborate on a song, a version of the song Living Doll, that all of the proceeds of that recording went to comic relief in their efforts to fight. I believe at the time it was famine relief in Ethiopia. The organization has since gone on to try to combat poverty in general. But uh, yeah, Aqualad felt pretty good about that. He really enjoyed that song. And that is what Aqualad was probably up to. Hanging out with his old pal Cliff Richards, Sir Cliff Richards, and Rick Mayall, and Aid Edmondson, and... The other two people that were in The Young Ones. Very metal. Very metal. And that is what Aqualad was probably up to. I loved The Young Ones so I much.
2: Did. I enjoyed it very much.
0: Aide uh, Ed Edmondson was in the most recent Star Wars movie. What? Yeah, he played a evil starship captain. Oh. He only had a few lines, and it took me a while to recognize him, but I was like, why does that guy look... Hey, that's Vivian! Crazy. Why doesn't he have metal stars on his forehead? I guess he wasn't uh, that (laughs) (laughs) high-ranked. Thank you so much for joining us, dear listeners. This was an episode of a podcast? (laughs) We'll see. You'll have to let me know how disjointed it sounds. Finley was barking throughout the entire thing, so the editing is going to be a bit of a Herculean task. Mm. I started off that sentence in a way that uh, I didn't really know where to go with it. No, but you wrapped it up. Thank you like a big guy yeah is that the the phrase from the thing yeah that was the phrase from the uh, safe sex commercials of our youth wrap it up like a big guy <laughs> oh no, the insult yeah no he yeah he's <laughs> you can't make up your mind like one of the big guys big guys that's yeah it. yeah yeah
2: no the um, A's commercial was wrap that rascal
0: oh shit i forgot about that, that is way worse than even <laughs> wrap it up like a big guy Ah, they're kind of equal, I guess. <laughs> Wrap that rascal up like a big guy. <laughs> uh, that's not staying in, probably. Nope. probably best. It we'll doesn't. see. Thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like to get into touch with us, you can do so at TTwasteland.gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you would like to find us in other aspects of the internet, man, we are all up in the internet's business. We are on Facebook. We are on Tumblr. We are on Instagram. Lisa runs that site. We have a LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
0: I think one of our listeners made a Grinder account for us. Don't know how that's gonna work. So, <laughs> yeah, I had always thought that uh, if the show was going to be on a dating platform, it would be a uh, Sea Captain date. But uh, with Sea Captains only. Yeah, it is. I thought it was called Sea Captains only, but it is called Sea Captain date. But it's where you go if you want to date a sea captain. Only sounds way better because then it sounds like it's just exclusive. I think it is sea captains only, but I think like ending it with only might be proprietary for uh, farmers only. I'm not sure. Why wouldn't a farmer want to date a sea captain? Well you'd never see each other. Oh, yeah, that would be tough. I mean, there's got to be some kind of sea farming. What if you're uh, farming kelp and seaweed? Huh? What about then, Corey? Then you could date a sea captain. So close-minded. So provincial. From time to time, I'll admit, <laughs> it's the case. Anyway, those are just some of the ways that you can get into touch with us. Including kelp farmers only. <laughs> well, it's not kelp farmers only. It's kelp farmers or sea captains exclusively It's the name of the site. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So if you're a kelp farmer looking to meet a sea captain or a sea captain looking to meet a kelp farmer, good luck to you both. If you would like to donate to us monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com ttwasteland. If you do, you get access to a bunch of bonus material. If you donate at the $5 or more level, you will get access to weekly video reviews of classic comic books that I've been making. It's been a lot of fun. I did one about Shanna the She-Devil last week. Donors at any level get access to the monthly podcast, What the Duck? A podcast most foul, but with a W because he's a duck. That's the full name of the show. That is the monthly show that Lisa and I host about Howard the Duck. And there's a bunch of other bonus content on there uh, that, you know, hopefully will be something you can enjoy. Flirting with the idea of adding a tier where we will craft a what's Aqualad probably up to or writing some wongs segment uh, for your birthday. As the dating on the issue release gets a little bit more convoluted and the Defenders one starts to overlap with ones we've already done for Aqualad, it'd be interesting to get some new dates in there. And I think that might be a fun thing. If you're a Patreon donor and that's something that interests you, let me know if that was something you'd like to see as a uh, new reward tier type thing. If not, that's okay too. We'll figure something else out. There's a lot of dates out there on the calendar. Mm-hmm. And, some of, and some dates out there... With sea captains. Some would cope farmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be a good idea. It's, we've gotten some very nice ones lately. We had one from somebody who forgot that Beaky was not canonical, which I think is a great compliment. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just in general, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks for showing us the support that you have for the show. If you'd like to continue to spread the word of the show, you just distribute some leaflets, go knock on some doors, tell people, have you heard the good word? Beaky's coming. (laughs) Thanks, and we'll see you next week. We will get back to the Defenders' continuing Blue Oyster Cult adventures. Woo! Looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Find out how this whole Trigon fiasco is going to wind up.
1: stage so uh, I brought my own. Uh, <laughs> Want a drink? No, I think this is a bit too strong for you guys. I don't think I should give
2: you a drink.